Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to this week's podcast. Uh, we took a little bit of a break last week, um, just catching up, letting the the can um, supply the can supplies needed to replenish. They were they were replenished now on, and um, we came back just the two of us just to have an old catch up of a podcast. I yeah, uh, I was letting the cans breathe, I suppose. Yeah, uh, no, I was just I was saying earlier on. I went to um, uh, Worldwide Wines, uh, so like. Since the lockdown, I've gotten cans delivered to the house. Uh, I've dropped you cans that were also delivered to my house, um, and I've gone. I've gone to a carry out, which is, um, you know, it just has that kind of like multi, well, not multinational, but like it has that kind of like big chain experience where they're all the same, and you know, it's bottles of you know Heineken and shit, you know, crit or boxes of bud and all stuff like that like you know and then they have this kind of a smaller craft beer selection but like when i stepped into worldwide wines today i was like this is glorious they just had cans like spattered on this kind of like plinth in the middle of the shop and um, like it must have been like i don't know maybe like 10 cans deep by about like i'd say 30 cans like in a row and they were all just like randomly dotted around like weren't done by brand they were just like fucked on top of the thing and there was just a big sign on top saying uh the top shelf here everything that's kind of on top of the plant uh five cans for 16 quid and i was just like oh my god this is heaven like this is like kid in a candy shop kind of stuff and so yeah it went for a spattering of 
uh, yellow belly and eight degrees. So I'm on the castaway there tonight. Um, so actually, yeah, not, not much of a change now from the last time I was on here. But um, as we were saying there beforehand, it's, it's the night for it. Um, such a fucking gorgeous day there, there today. It's like 16 degrees or whatever. Really nice. Yeah, beautiful sunny day. So I, I'm also on the sour, um, but I'm not on a yellow belly castaway. And I was actually thinking about this today when I was putting the cans in the fridge. Uh, and I, and, I, and I was just thinking over like what we were going to talk about and stuff. And one of both of our favorite breweries, but one that probably has never featured as a beer, as a brewery that we've actually been drinking on the podcast, simply because of a lack of availability of draft in the Southeast is Kinnegar and Donegal. Mm. Like we are both huge fans of Scraggy Bay. Um, they, they, they've got some majestic, majestic beers. Scraggy Bay could be my favorite beer. It's up there with all the greats that from Yellowbelly and Metal Man and, and Eight Degrees and, and Rascals that we featured on the podcast time and time again. Um, and it, it's just one that I don't drink often at home, but out, outside of the current conditions, like absolutely, it's one that if I was finish up work in the hospital, I'd go across the King stores and I'd pick up a few bottles of that and come home and I'd be like, right these bad boys um, I think we mentioned them once before when we were talking about the um, blacks and sale using terpenes to infuse like a weed um, sensory um, function into some of their uh, nozzle brews last year I, I mentioned that like because hops are related to, 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 to weed um, that when you open a bottle of Scraggy Bay you do get that weed like smell because it's such mm. a, a really punchy hoppy beer but because it's summer uh, I was on the phone to, to Julie Ward, shout out to Julie in Art King stores last week. Um, and I was just asking her what she had in. And she had in uh, two different sours from Kinnegar. So I'm, 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 I'm on one at the moment and I'll come back to the second one that I want to taste in a minute. But this is my first time drinking them. Um, I'm on a, I'm on a, a Olin's Tart apple sour at the moment. It's 5%. And man, it's just delicious. It's a pure, pure juicy apple juice like sour um oh, that sounds delicious man that's on, like join you get a really good glass of um apple juice on a on a on a, on a warm day like at a weekend in the morning you're like you wake up in a warm morning you're like fuck it i'd love a glass of apple juice now with something really mm. fucking quench it's exactly that but five percent abv and is it like is it cidery or is it like no. a completely different thing yeah Man, I'm on it. I, I want it now. That's because I, I sometimes like I do like a, a good cider, and I need to be in the mood for a good cider. Um, but like, but I but that apple juice analogy, like when you know when you go to um like a buffet in a you know when you're in a hotel and you go to a breakfast buffet, like apple juice all the way there, like yeah. well, shove your orange juice up your hole. Well, unless it's fresh orange juice, but like. If it's just an old carton, like fucking, I love it. Love a good apple juice now in one of those places. But I just think as well, like it's one, it like it's just. So it, this is this is I think part of the absolute genius of this particular brew, Orleans Tart by Kinnegar is, you know, you would do associate like ap alcoholic apple beverages with a sweet cider, um, or a dry cider, you know, but but. To turn it into a sour, it just it plays a little trick with your mind. And uh, I almost when I was tasting it first, I was like, I feel like do you know, do you know those faces the the judges make on MasterChef when they're not expecting something. 
and they're like, oh yeah, yeah, wild, yeah, oh man, yeah, really, really good. Like there's they're fucking genius brewers up there in Donegal, and then massive, massive shout out to Kinnegar for that. Uh, I'll come back to the the other one that I'm going to try later in midway through the podcast. High Glen, a, a dry hot citrus sour. So that just sounds right up my street on a warm. Oh, sounds season. good. Um, but it's 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 fucking delicious, man. And I think this is one thing that because I don't drink a whole much, because I only tend to drink out in pubs in Waterford and Kilkenny, or at the odd time in Cork, um, and very rarely in Dublin when we're up there, is you know what? I'm gonna start drinking more. <laughs> yeah, but it's 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 like you know there are breweries that. Their beers are available to us in the southeast by all yeah. uh, like Arkeen Stores, Worldwide Wines, which is really good off licenses around the place. But we don't have access to them on draft. So if you're only drinking in a pub, you're not benefiting from the wonderful beers that these breweries are brewing. So I think I think one of the one of the things that this pandemic will will have an effect on me is I'm gonna I'm gonna drink a little bit more at home, but be like diverse and try new things because um, this has certainly been an eye opener. We've been introduced to new breweries like Kildare Brewing Company um, and then like being able be facilitating ourselves to taste stuff like Kinnegar and then you've got like the virtual beer festivals now where you're getting a box of like new breweries that you've never had before as well and uh, that's that's really good and um, really interesting. Yeah like actually like shout out again to the old craft beer community but um, like like so we would have been kind of involved with um like a few kind of beer openings and things like that and like a few of those nights but like they're, they've been brilliant but like you kind of nearly not that you felt that you were impeding but like you kind of felt like that you're outside the community a little bit there because it's you know brewers that normally meet up from like other breweries who kind of like would be encouraging uh, like other breweries or whatever to try and you know just promote each other and stuff you know um, and these kind of know each other and stuff like that um, but like I, I always felt that it was kind of like uh, like just kind of a, a tight knit community whereas whereas I feel now with this crackware community there has been a thing of like like introducing people to this community and kind of building upon that and like actually making the punters kind of part of it now um, and spreading out a bit. I, I think it's class. I think it's a really good idea. Um, I think we're sorry, just I'm awkward. struggling there through my fucking castaway. We're, uh, we're just awkward fuckers as well. Though. <laughs> That's part of it too. But I think, I think um, in fairness, like the one thing that craft beer community showed me was like the independent brewers in Ireland, they, like, they really appreciate the trade that you give them and they really appreciate people making an effort uh, to drink their beers and appreciate what they're doing. Yeah, sorry. I, I wasn't saying now that, that those, those beer things were... I, I See, I, I don't think they were intentionally uh, trying to be, say, clicky or like a tight-knit community, but I just think now that they might not have had the platform or might not have had the marketing right or like the the reach to like reach the local punter or whatever to actually develop whereas I think like this kind of crackware community now kind of has developed something now that like might be able to expand and bring in uh, both the, the brewery and and the punter themselves like you know yeah and I think, so, I think as shout well, out to them yeah and I think as well like a lot of our interactions <laughs> and um, 
and post through like on social media. So like, what the one thing the crack bear community get get like enabled us as well was to I suppose put a face to the some of the brewers as well. Like we were able to put a face on on like the likes of Paddy and Twelve and stuff like that. Whereas like you would have we would have interacted with these people on Twitter and stuff like that. Whereas now you can put a face to the name or a face behind the, the brand as well. I suppose. Um, <laughs> I, I just I just I just I just want to say there so uh so um just a, a, a quick review of Castaway there. So um Kira came into the room and uh she saw I was drinking Castaway and uh, she goes, Ooh <laughs> comes over, uh grabs a glass and like takes a little drink and she's like, Oh yes and <laughs> just walks out. <laughs> like Kira who hates beer in general, like she yeah. fucking loves this loves this sour. It's a... Uh... It's funny, like, because I think even Sonia, like, who, who, who's been on the podcast a good few times, and we must actually get her on during lockdown and see what she's up to. Um, yeah. She, she's, a, she's not a beer fan either, but she loves Castaway, and, and anytime they had a Castaway themed infusion in the in Grady's yard as well, she was mad for it. Like, so it's a, it's a, great, it's a great thing to try if you're not into, into beer, you're more into spirits, and it, it's just a lovely drink. Uh, uh. Well, we're, talk, we're talking about Twitter for personal as zero and um just just before that segue and uh, you you've had a bit of um you got sick of Twitter this week you you actually you texted me one day and just said uh, I'm gonna fucking give up Twitter it's, it's, it's a shit I know I know it was very like I I I needed to tell someone or I needed to kind of like have a little backing behind it but um yeah I just felt. And so yeah, like in the last week, I've just kind of deleted Twitter off my phone, um, and I, yeah, I just I just kind of got a bit fed up with it. Like I I found that like as I was kind of scrolling down through it, there was like just a lot of negativity and moaning and giving out, and you know, like people can't even really make a joke on Twitter either without, you know, as soon as you click into it, like you're nearly automatically going looking through the comments to see who, who, what has somebody else said now that's, you know, trying to antagonize this situation or antagonize this joke or whatever. Or people are just very flippant and it's, it, you know, it, it is that whole thing of like, he without sin cast the first zone, like, because like people are just very, just very easy to just fucking slate somebody without you know, having any knowledge themselves of, of the topic they're talking about. So anyway, I, got, I just ended up getting a bit fed up about the whole the whole thing. Um, and like, as I said to you as well, I said, like, I have, I have a great time most of the time on, on Twitter as well. Like, you know, you get great laughs on it. Like people like Dave Moore from Today, Today FM, like he's just a, like a beacon of positivity, like just sharing like, stupid dog photos or like pictures of his kids doing something like funny or stupid or whatever or pictures of like the fucking sunrise in the morning when he's on his way to work like you know and things like that we're like god that's brilliant and you know there's like real positive messages and stuff from it as well but it's just the fact that like you have to kind of throw like maybe it's how it is but you have to just kind of trawl through it uh to to get to the, to get to those positivities and you know it's just like you don't want to kind of be upsetting or getting riled up on route to getting that moment of happiness 
know. So I said, ah, fuck this. <laughs> I'm off. I'm off this platform. I didn't delete my account or anything um, because I'm proud of some of the things that I have done on Twitter and like, um, and like I don't write off the whole thing altogether. It's just that I just I just kind of got a bit of a kind of negative headspace with the whole thing. So I text you anyway, and I said, DJ, look, this is it. I fuck, I'm fucking off this thing. I find it too negative at the moment, and I just I just can't be dealing with. It. There's enough negativity in the world now without um without me having to deal with this. So anyway, you came back anyway, and you were like, you're right, you're right, man, you're right. You, I, and you know what? I'm gonna fucking be your beacon of light in this. So you came along and you've offered the good graces to be my positive Twitter filter. So tell the lads what you've been doing. So the way I've looked at this is I, I'm addicted to Twitter. I, I don't think I could give it up. I'm, I don't think I have the capacity. But I think no. like, I go through days where I get very right up with it, but I'm able to bounce back from it. I don't let it affect me too much. Um, mm. I think, now, listen, I'm a devil for the negativity and I'll troll through it and I'll go through the comments and, and there are days where I'll just argue with fucking arseholes on it all day just because you know, I feel like doing it that day. But I fully understand where you're coming from. So what I've decided to do is I, I'm seeing I'm sticking with Twitter and um, mainly because do you know what? I actually feel like I've been I've been a lot more vocal lately on social media about things that I feel aren't right. So I'm like, fuck it, I'm just gonna say what I think. And it's it's gas like actually my Twitter followers like doubled in the last month, but at the same time too, I've lost loads of people on the way. So I'm like, right, that's grand. Like, but if if you're if you're saying so, if you're speaking your truth and it's pissing people off, then so be it. Like, and and I saw a great tweet during the week as well. That means if I unfollow you on Twitter, it's not nothing personal. Maybe I just don't want. I'm not. Maybe I'm just not in the mood for what you're sharing right now. And I think that's yeah. a, that's a very good way of looking at. It and it wouldn't take that kind of stuff too personally. But what I did think was what I do think is great as well, though, is like like you said, some of the some of the positive things that you see. So I was fully supportive of you being in Twitter off. Like, fair fucking page, you're dead right if it's making you, if it's just fucking, if your happiness that you're getting from Twitter is only resetting or barely resetting the ne- what the negativity is doing to you. I'm like, fucking all for you spinning it off if that's what you want to do. Um, so what I decided was, fuck it, every day I'm going to send you a positive tweet. I'm going to share it to you on WhatsApp. And um, it won't have been related so far, most of them anyway, haven't they? Um. Yeah. Yeah. They. Pretty sure they have been. Yeah. I'll have a quick. That makes me happy. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like. I'm like. I know. I know. I know what you like there. Stay tuned there. But like, you know, some good ones like Crack Beer Community um, and then it's a Saturday June the sixth is going to be the second virtual beer festival. So I I shared that with you today. Um. And then uh, something else that we might talk about in the next little segment that we're going to talk about here like just the Portish Pub Club a little really good article on their blog uh, I shared that with you because I was like that's something that Owen would like but would miss mm-hmm. um, and uh, yeah <laughs> it is on there the other thing I shared with you a couple of days ago was um, Kildare Brewing Company announcing the Lockdown Extended IPA um, yeah the, the new and improved Lockdown IPA that we featured on the on the first couple of um, installments of the self-isolate in so like I, it's it is kind of ironic, and I suppose it won't be any surprise to the listeners that uh, the the um what I've shared. Actually, is the I must check it. I must check if they're uh, open the weekend. Actually, that Lock Thirteen pub. 
might might pick up an old case of that lockdown extended. If you'd like a case, I'll I'll grab you one. Uh, yeah, sure. We might we might message Barry on Twitter. He's a he's a sound man. He was great on the on the virtual beer festival there. But um, mm. yeah, yeah. I think it's funny. Social media. It's funny. Like I find I actually find I don't go to Instagram that much because uh, I I just find like I like food and drink too much. So I like exercise away, but I don't lose any weight or I just kind of. I just kind of fluctuate up a bit and down a bit. You know, and I, I find the visuals of Instagram and all these, like, you know, suggested for you and it's like a fucking model or something. I, I, I find that, like, I'm just like, I, I don't need to see that. Like, you know, I, I, find, I find that in a way that Twitter nearly shows too much of the bad side of someone, then, like, on the flip side, Instagram nearly uh, shows uh, a, maybe a, a utopian false version of people as well. Oh, uh, definitely does, like. Yeah, like, so, so I think there's a nice balance there to be found, like whatever suits yourself, you know. Yeah, it's, a, it's just it's social media in general, though, isn't it? Like, you can't, like, it's such a falsehood in, in respects as well. Like, do you know, say even like that, 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 like a lot of those people on Twitter as well, like, who say your man who, who gave that abuse to Ian Wright, um, like over over messaging or rather direct messaging was it on twitter or instagram or something like direct messaging on instagram and you might share it on twitter uh yeah so like all this like abusive texts and stuff to to ian right like like do you think that lad is going to say that directly to ian Wright's face like it's you know not a hope like it's just a like you know it can be such they can be such toxic platforms as well like for being able to facilitate like cyberbullying and like racist remarks and stuff like that, like you know, um, and like, yeah, like you, like it, it, it's incumbent upon like um, these social media platforms like Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and whatever to like actually like police this this stuff a bit better, like you know, like the amount of shit that's happened, like in terms of like elections being won because of political ads being able to being able to be put on these platforms and, and targeted individuals who are susceptible to being swayed by like incorrect and false information ads like you know it's just it's like they're just they're just now I, I have no problem with that for me because i would not be swayed by those or like i don't think i'd be I probably just wouldn't even be targeted initially anyway, like, you know, but it's just, it's just, it's just like, the, the, there's a lot to be said for the fucking Mark Zuckerbergs of this world as well, that like, they need to, like, they've, they've, they've too much rights or they've too much freedom themselves to not be police, like, on what, they, you know, what they do, like, you know. Yeah, they, they have a lot to answer for, right, but, um, that's it. Like, geez, social media is a fucking minefield anyway. But it's one of them mm. things that, like, I. It's very hard to know when it's affecting you badly, and and it's it's. That's true. Yeah. It's a very good thing to do what you've done when you're like not not for not for this week. I want to take a couple of weeks off or a couple of months off. Yeah, I'm like actually like I I've 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 deleted off my phone, but I actually kind of checked in. So if I if I've thought up of a really good tweet or something. I'm like, oh, I need to, I need to get this out and see what, see what the crack is here, like, um, so, uh, yeah, no, I like, I do find it like good and like even for us, like to, 
self self publicize ourselves and you know reach these communities and stuff it has been like um an absolute gem for us to spread into new communities and stuff like that and you know become more public as well like so it's been really like social media like we wouldn't be anywhere without social media like we were not like we weren't we wouldn't be growing organically you know without uh, social media very much um so yeah uh, speak, speaking about us and the podcast that we are um did, like it's mad um, actually, actually just actually have to quick get a charger there. But, um, so I'll be back in two seconds. Sorry about that. My uh, the old, the old Zoom is a is a heavy hitter on the phone battery. Um, sorry. For for some reason, my uh, my um, my watch call my laptop. Um, it, like I don't know, it just has it just ends up getting this kind of really bad connection on Zoom and stuff for some reason. So I just like the phone is kind of grand because I think you can kind of dip between um, Wi-Fi and the fucking whatever 3G. Like so, it's fine. Yeah. Like but anyway, put that away. Speaking of us, anyway, like we're we're. we're a podcast I suppose when all this kind of kicked off and pubs were closed we were like right there won't be any podcast for a while and we managed to just turn the podcast into a cans over zoom podcast which is it works for me at the moment and um, mm. but a regular feature I want to introduce until we're back in the pubs is a uh, point watch where every week uh in the middle of the podcast uh we're going to with any guests that we have on try and attempt to predict um when we will next have points so what i want to do with this is just have a look have a quick little roundup of things that have piqued our attention in the last uh, week or so and see if any of that um actually lends us to think that sooner or later um so has has anything cost your attention on since we i suppose since we last recorded i suppose two weeks ago now at this stage is there anything that has piqued your attention to think that pubs might be online to open sooner rather than later? Um, no, no, pubs won't open sooner. Sooner, I don't think. Um, and I'd say that we've been quite lucky to open up at that date. Um, so I was actually chatting to a friend of mine uh, who uh, whose parents own a pub in Waterford and. Um, those parents now uh, who own the pub and the uh, brothers and um, so her uncles and stuff would be so parents would be in their mid to late 60s uh, uncles would be in their 70s or 80s and um, so that kind of cohort anyway is going to be a cocooned so the last thing they're going to, going to want to do is open a pub um, until this is sorted out and that there's a vaccine in place. And then secondly, um, that pub is well in question. So if those guidelines were in place that the Vintners Federation had recommended uh, of the four people per 10 square meters or whatever, um, in their front bar, um, which would be the kind of main um, 
bar that they'd have normally for the locals and stuff. Uh, for that, they would have, they'd only be allowed four people into that bar uh, that'd be spread apart. Um, they'd have uh, the one barman on that they'd normally would have on in there, uh, which is fine. But then they'd also have to employ a doorman in order to prevent more people than those four people coming in and also like having a bit of means of like trying to kick people out if anything rises up or people, yeah. you know, so for them, it's not viable. Um, and also what was interesting, what she, what she's saying as well is that um, for those, those, pub, those pubs, and I think a lot of pubs in Walford would echo it as well, is that like if, uh, say the government has accepted those vintners or the VFI recommendations, right? Um, and that there's a, that there's a pathway for pubs to reopen. If pubs in choose not to open because of the safety risks that they see, will like payments then say like that 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 uh, co-payment of the whatever seventy five percent or eighty percent or whatever the government are given now, will that be taken away? Like, and will you then like will they because because they've already guaranteed that you are you are a business that could reopen? Like, you know. Yeah. So I thought it was, it's something it's something we actually didn't mention on the podcast and um, the last time we were on there. Um, I thought it was a a, a good point. Um, so. From those points, anyway, uh, I think whatever the tenth of August, whatever it is, is probably the earliest for some pubs. But I can't see anything before that. I think I have I have a couple of answers to some of the points that you raised. Actually, just from I suppose this this is the thing, like because I think it's well worth doing, and I think it's good it's good thing to introduce to the podcast uh, as we're going through lockdown. It's just to keep an eye on it and keep a running commentary on it because it's important. Uh, to the listeners, definitely, and I'm sure you're all gasping for points just like we are. And even on Taoiseach Leo Bradka yesterday, the AFM said he was gasping for a point. But that was in response. I saw that actually. Yeah, yeah. But that was actually in response to the question about um, where he was on with Dermot and Dave actually, and they asked him, uh, did he see, did he did he come across the the record the request from the LVA the the, um, the IDF the Irish the the VFI sorry yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but and he basically said he hadn't seen it but they were willing to listen to any businesses put their cases forward so like he left the door mm-hmm. open, but at the same time too he hadn't he hasn't come across it yet but he did say in the door i think it was in the dial yesterday or this morning maybe that um any sector who they deem to reopen and if a business in that sector reopens and offers a worker their job back and that worker does not feel safe going back um, then that worker will no longer be entitled to the COVID payment. So I think I think you know it it just it doesn't sit too well with me. And what's interesting is just um, actually Wayne from the uh, Irish Beer blog uh, just sent me uh, tagged us on Twitter uh, in a very good Irish Examiner article, a very interesting one where. Basically, it said that there's a rush of applications expected, so pubs are going to apply for licenses so licenses as restaurants. What I think is interesting is, uh, so for example, the Two Sisters pub in Rathfarnham in Dublin um, have already made an application to be certified as a restaurant. Now, like not to cast aspersions on Two Sisters pub, in fairness, um, 
one of their owners of the family-run business did say that, like, you know, it is, it has previously run as a restaurant, so they're planning to run it as a restaurant during the lockdown. Um, but, I, you know, that's fine for them. They can do it. But what about their colleagues and stuff like that, you know? Um, then, the, I suppose, the flip side of that argument is the Portish Pub Club, um, the owner of, and proprietor of Sean's Bar and Athlone, who claimed to be the oldest bar in Ireland, and it looks really cool. I can't wait to go and check it out when it's ever, ever I can. Um, they came out with a blog on the Portish Pub Club blog page and distanced themselves from the VFI and uh, LVA uh, document and said that, you know, they really didn't see how it would be viable or possible um, to implement what they'd said. So I, I actually sent that blog to you saying, like, you know, it was quite reassuring that the points we were making were being echoed by some really reputable pubs and, and by some publicans who really know what they're doing. But at the same time, too, we did. I, I actually said this to Wayne until last night, you know, and, and he had listened to the podcast and agreed that, like, it is very, very difficult to see where you draw the line between gastro pub and a pub that serves food. And a gastro pub then does that become a restaurant? And what is the ratio of food serving to drink that defines it as a restaurant versus a pub? And it's very, mm. very difficult to draw those lines. Yeah, no, it is. Like, how, like, like, unless you have like a full kitchen or whatever, and you've always had a full kitchen, like you shouldn't be allowed to fucking put a few chips in the microwave and lash them out onto a table. And call yourself a restaurant. You see, uh, like we we said that though. Like, as I said, I said it last week, or two weeks ago. Phil Grimes, you can ask Tom to order in a pizza, and they get a pizza in from a pizzeria down the road. You know, right? You know, audio. For a sec. Sorry. Sorry, my audio went there for a sec. Now go on. Sorry, you were saying there. Uh, I, I said I, I was just saying I said this quite recently. Phil Grimes, you can order a pizza. It doesn't come from Phil Grimes, it comes from a pizzeria down the road. Now I don't it Tom is not and, and in fairness, as a good um whack of the pubs and waterford have come together and said they are not opening while they feel it's unsafe to do so, but not to fear that they will be open in time and that they are all you know sticking together on this. And you had Flash, who owns a good few pubs around town. Um, on that video, Tom was there. Uh, Henry Downs's were there on that video. And Henry Downs's came out and distanced themselves from the um, distanced themselves from the the the, the Vintners Federation's statement. So look, it's very interesting. It's very interesting that you know different people are prioritizing different things. And um, I suppose for a lot of pubs, it mightn't be financially viable to stay closed. But then if they're going to open under the conditions that are proposed, it won't be financially viable to open either. So unfortunately, I think we're going to lose a few pubs to the sword. But for the sake of Point Watch, you're saying August 10th. I have a, a sneaky suspicion, right? I've gone for a jog around here. I've seen more cars in the road. I've seen people visiting their family and not social distancing, like sitting around the table outside, kids in their trampoline and kind of stuff. I have a feeling that the numbers might creep up a little bit over the next couple of weeks, that the government will in, initiate phase one, and I think phase two will be pushed out a week or two, and phase three maybe a week or two. So at the moment for Point Watch, I'm saying August 24th. I'm just just postulating that at the moment. I'm laughing, I'm thinking like, people are going to, People are going to come to this podcast in two years' time. They're going to burn through the back catalogue, like like Gavin McCarthy has been doing on Twitter recently. Shout out to Gavin, who's been like um, 
tweeting us like little snippets from all uh, all episodes asking us about them and we're like well, I can't remember it's a year ago and we were pissed but uh, people are in two, in two years time people are going to be listening back thinking these guys are epidemiological geniuses or else thinking what a bunch of fucking idiots <laughs> they got uh, it completely wrong but my Pint Watch as of today we're recording 14th of May I'm saying Pint Watch 24th of August at the moment is my estimate because I, I think there's been a little bit of lax and I think it might just delay couple of the phases and I think phase five might not actually be introduced in August 10th maybe August 24th I think they might want to want to sneak in um there and I think people might want to hear that and hopefully I'm wrong but I'll say I'll guess August 24th at the moment I think well if we're echoing that right I think it's going to be August 10th but I think August 24th is too close to the August bank holiday weekend so that they'd Bash it out until maybe the 9th of September then. When's the August Bank Holiday weekend? It's not the beginning of it's August, no. No, I think it's, isn't it like, isn't it um, Electric Picnic weekend, isn't it? Is it, yeah. I think, I think so, isn't it? Well, August 24th is a Monday, so I'm, I'm going to stick with August 24th. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, I think they might, I might, they might try and open them on a Monday or Tuesday because people will be back to work by then, so it might st- slow up people from going, but we'll see. Yeah. I, I, I'm going to stick to August 24th. I felt right when I was saying it. I felt very authoritative, so we're going to stick with that. Okay. Um, the, other, the other thing that came up in the week on uh, was uh, the leaving certificate. Um, yeah. So the, the leaving cert was essentially cancelled and if, for, for so for for listeners abroad, the leaving certificate is your your basically your entry exam to university or, or third level education, um, so it's the equivalent of GCSEs in the, the UK or the what's the I actually don't don't know what the, the final exam like your senior year entrance exams for college in U, U, US. Um, pardon my SATs, is it? Maybe yeah. So. Possibly, yeah, I'm not sure. Um, basically, so the entrance exam for third level education has been cancelled. And instead, we don't have continuous, um, we don't have a con- continuous assessment in the leaving certificate um, in second level in Ireland at the moment. So the teachers are being asked to give an uh, estimated grade um, that the pupil will get, and then the principal ratifies them and then it gets sent off to the Department of Education, which I suppose if it's unsafe to sit the exams, you think, oh, well, look, that's possibly a fair way to do, do it. It also puts a lot of pressure on teachers to give students a good result. It's open to, you can see how it could be easily exploited. But I think mm. also as well, I don't want to do teachers disservice. I think it puts very unfair pressure on teachers. But the other thing that really was a stickler for me was when the results go into the Department of Education, they then get statistically realigned to what the expected score of that school will be. And that really sticks with me because I went to a disadvantaged school and I did a really good exam. And it would have unfairly, um, it, would have, it would have disproportionately, uh, I suppose, it would have disproportionately dis- discriminized me educationally. And they do that anyway. They do that anyway with the leaving cert. Yeah, but like in fair, they, I don't. They they don't do it for individual students depending on their schools. 
they do they do arrest it to a bell curve, but it's not dependent on where you go to school. So like right, this, okay. this is basically saying if looking back at what the expected results for a school would be, and every year people from disadvantaged schools do exceptionally well in trying circumstances, and they will be disproportionately marked down relative to someone in a more better well-off school. So that that kind of stuck in my car. That, that was one of my Twitter rants this week. That was one of the things that made me upset online during the weekend. Put me on a little bit of a, a rampage on the Facebook and the Twitter. But I know what you make of it. Uh, yeah, I sure look. You have to feel sorry for him. Like there was, there was never going to be a fucking good answer to this was there like there there were never going to like there was never going to be anything that you're going to please everyone like i was listening to i always listen to the Dermot and dave podcast back um on just podcasts like um and they had like people on who were saying oh we're delighted and then people who were saying that were they're absolutely gutted that they've been gearing up for this and they were saying that like you know for a lot of students and like myself and yourself included we would have been high achievers in the in in the leaving serve we would have gamed the system right like but that it was uh that it was um that it's it's like the olympics it's you know you're 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 trying to peak at the leaving search like you know you're trying to get everything ready like you know and and peak for the leaving search so like say even for myself like my mocks i would have been i don't know maybe uh I don't know, like probably a hundred points off or so. I'd say, like based on those results, or maybe yeah, maybe sixty to sixty to one hundred points. I'd say less than what I what it would have been. So you're, you know, you are kind of building towards it, and you are peaking, like you know. And they do say you're meant to kind of go up, say twenty percent or whatever overall, in, in how from your mocks to, to your leaving. Um, and like you know, you're in a different mindset then as well. Like, sure, so you're gowling about. Like, still, you know, you still have a a good long while to fucking like just study and everything at that stage. So, um, it's like I feel sorry for the kids themselves, and I feel sorry for um the teachers because how you fairly mark these guys like, is impossible because even like those teachers like subjectively of how they think they are marking is not like like can like you know they're not marking against a, um like a scoring system throughout the year like a lot of their marking during the year is actually quite subjective in things like languages and stuff like that like it's not uh it's it, it, you know there's not a like a scoring matrix or anything for them like for their own assignments that they give to kids like so i i find i just find it very uh difficult altogether um and i think i would have i would have hated to be in this situation now yeah um, i think i haven't said i haven't said that um i think probably what has been stated in uh in doing this corrected system or whatever your what well, it's not projected but it's whatever your um corrected score or something is not I can't remember what the actual terminology for it is. Corrected grade by the teacher and then corrected by the Department of Education. Yeah, yeah. Um yeah, because I think um wasn't it, it was Leo wanted to distance the word predicted from it because 
that sounds as if it's kind of um, subjective a bit, but it's actually meant to be analysis of corrected grades or something like that. I don't know. Um, and perhaps said that it's probably the only way that probably could have been done this year, really. Like, you can't be putting kids into a fucking room um, and making them sit to leave them. And I think the option then for an alternative um, or a, another leaving cert, uh, even though you will be skipping a year of college or, or starting a year later, is probably the best result, I think, um, as well. I think as well, we were going to actually, this is one of our first, very first draft uh, snowcast topics as well that we did uh, before we kicked off and we were testing to see how we'd get on with doing a snowcast. So we were, in a, we were in Phil Grimes' pub and we pressed record on a fucking voice recorder notes thing or something like, um, <laughs> and we recorded a few segments on, on this um, and as well, at, I, th- I think in that segment as well, we were saying that like the leaving cert is like you were so young at like 18 to be choosing what you're doing that like, I know it's not probably the thing that people want to hear at the moment, but like it actually may not be the worst thing in the world to have another year like of growing up before choosing what you want to do. Yeah. Um, I, I, maybe I, I, I think they're like they're, you're, you're dead right in what you're saying I think like it's very hard to tell someone at 17, 18 that you know it's not the be all and end all because they've mm-hmm. literally spent their entire education system being told it is the be all and end all but like some of yeah. our mates who are very successful in their careers now were mature students when we went to college you know like yeah. some of the people some of the mature students when we went to college are, are doing fantastic things in their careers now and mm-hmm. they were in their mid 20s maybe when they started in college with us when we were 18 but the other thing i think is the, the, the one thing i think it, it is very unfair but thinking about my own school experience and how if this was applied to me uh, how would it if this situation occurred when i was in school how would it have disadvantaged me for example and there's a couple of examples that came to mind where i think i just think the imperfections just don't sit well with me and i think there's people going to be adversely affected um unfairly because of it so sport for example i played a lot of sport in school so missed a lot of classes you can think of that what you will but uh, you know so, so as you said like we did quite well in the, in the exams so i think some of my teachers would have had the impression that i wasn't working as hard outside of school as I was because i wasn't in the classroom as often because i was off at sport mm-hmm. the other thing as well is um people listen to podcasts in order to you know, I'm very passionate about the Irish language. My Irish language teacher in secondary school never gave me an A, you know, even though I possibly deserved it in a lot of the time because he, he just wanted to motivate me that much. Uh, he was giving me B's and C's to try and motivate me and try and drive me on to, to, to dig deeper and, and do better. Um, and he used that as a motivation tool. Now, a teacher two years ago when someone's in fifth year can't predict that this is going to happen. So they could be mm-hmm. B's and C's for a student who earned an A, but they're trying to just stimulate them a bit more. So I think that's, I think that leads into the predictive grades grades because they have to submit the scores throughout the years into the school database anyway. So that's being used to judge whether a student is being graded fairly or not, I believe. Um, during those maturity, like I was, I had a completely different attitude to my exams when I was 
16, 17 going into fifth year. And yeah. for fifth year, then when I went into the final year, I was like, right, I need to fucking fuck up now. Like, do you know, most people are like that, I think. I don't, I can't remember too many people taking the leaving sort very seriously 18 months out, you know. So I think that that is going to skew things a little bit as well. I know. Sure, I, only, I was only, I'd say I only started knuckling down when the, the lockdown came. Like, yeah. like hitting the library hard, like around March, April. Like, that's when I really went at it. Like, you know, it was like going to the library weekends and stuff then. But like, like prior to that, like it was like a bit of, a bit of a laugh. Like you went to town smoking fags and... <laughs> But the other side to this as well, like I mentioned earlier, that I, I went to a disadvantaged school. There were six of us in the honours maths class. And like, I was handy enough at the old maths, so I was confident enough to get an A in it, like getting a good mm. score. But like, I actually, when I think back of it, the, the fucking graft that the other five people in that class put in to sit the exam, like, and in fairness to the teacher, like you wasn't the best teacher either. But like, he was like, he just said to me, you're on your own. And was like, you know, basically, like, spending his, his, the classes, like, you know, working really hard with these people. So he wouldn't have been a good judge of where I was at in maths class. And I think that there's a lot of people in schools where, you know, kids aren't going and getting grinds every night and getting extra classes and stuff like that. So the teachers can't just go in and plow on with the course and judge you on your results on the exams and stuff. There's teachers around the, co- around the country posting a gush to help people who need like good teachers mm. to get them the grades that they want in a certain even sort of exam. And those pupils deserve that attention. And then there's pupils there who, you know, might have a quicker grasp for these subjects who are working really hard in the background. And it might just not put the teacher in the best position to grade those students. And it might grade them, you know, they might they might be overly generous with the rail or vice versa and yeah I, I i don't i'm not an expert in the healthcare su- or the education system i hope i'm an expert in the healthcare system uh, <laughs> but in the education system i'm not and you know i i think there are still bits that need to be ironed out like if your ma if your mom is homeschooling in the subject you know your mom's obviously going to give you a top score unless she's some sort of thunder bitch or your dad is some sort of thunder bastard you know but they're they're like, ah, oh, you're gonna see some because you're a dickhead, like you know. But yeah, it, there's so it's open to exploitation, so many levels, and open to discrimination on so many levels. I just doesn't sit well with me, and I think, fuck it, for the students, they have to they had to come up with some solution for the students because it wasn't fair in the students' mental health. But fuck me, what they come up with leaves a lot of questions. I think, and it's just not fair. It's still not fair on a lot of students. A lot of students would be happy they have something. They have told something. They're like, fuck it, this is what we have. But there's a lot mm. of people that are still fucking stressed and still not happy. Um, so I just feel very sorry for them. I'm glad but I... Do you, not, do, you, do you not think the fact that there's like an option too for them that like, if you're not like, you know, you're stressed out at the moment, but if the result you get isn't the way you want, then you have another shot at it. Uh, as a fella who is really, really enjoying a different beer from Kinnegar right now, uh, who records a podcast drinking every week with his mate. Uh, 
far be it from me to dictate to students what they should do for the Leaving Cert or not do. But I do, no, um, I do think uh, if I've actually have uh, two cousins who are twins who are, who, who are in the Leaving Cert class at the moment, nine and more. And if they were to ask me what to do, I would, I would be like, you know, go with your gut. If you feel like you have to sit it again and miss a year, as you said earlier, it might feel like to be all and end all, but it's not. And in another sense, too, the college year next year is going to be all over the place. Yeah. So it might actually not be the best year to start college. And college is the best years of your life. Like, it's a wonderful experience. I know. So I'm like, there's a lot of upheaval at this time in your life and a lot of change and, and a lot of struggles that come with it. Maybe a year out isn't the worst thing to do, especially if you think that these exams might might actually uh, go the wrong way for you for the wrong reasons, like we may have possibly outlined. So I, I think there's a lot to be said. Now, the other thing as well is you've got like a fucking economic downturn. So will, will that put pressure on kids to go into college? Um, I know certainly, I'd, like for me, like it was very hard financially for people I went to school with to go and afford the college without grants and fees and stuff like that. And the cost of going to third level in Ireland has gone up exponentially since we were there. So I just, yeah. I, I would worry about that as well. Like are a lot of people from um, disadvantaged areas going to be coming from homes where incomes are lost? And does, will that then preclude them from going to third level? Um, and I just think, uh, I actually, my heart breaks from the more I think about it, I feel really, really bad for these people. But uh, it's not fair, it's not perfect. I really hope we don't get into austerity because of what that'll do for these students as well. But I do think what you said is right. If there's the opportunity to take a year out and breathe and start university when university is more likely to be normal than what it will be in September and October, November, uh, I think it's October, November the same going open. That might be the right time to start, maybe September 2021 rather than October, November 2020. Maybe give yourself a year to fucking, I don't know, do whatever. Uh, I, I, I think um, you've probably made the best point there of um, that the 2021 class would probably be a bigger, better fucking more badass class you know so maybe maybe it is probably better like enjoy the sesh a bit better like you know you don't want to be going to you know starting in september there we're in lockdown still like the pubs imagine go, going, no nightclubs imagine going out in the pool and uh there's social distancing measures yeah jesus we have it we have a cracked fucking call it off leo call off this fucking college year for you college next year it's not worth it it's not worth the fuck by the way, speaking of thing, speaking speaking of something that should never be called off, this fucking high glen dry hop citrus sour is phenomenal. It's mad. Like, do you, do you know what I mean? With a sour, like you're just expecting a bang of tart at the front, like a bang of sourness. The the fucking hops come through, man. It's hoppy at the start, and then it's this lovely citrus sour clean finish, man. People need to get on this. If if you have the opportunity to buy some cans of High Glen Dry Hop Citrus Sour in the next week, do because it's fucking gold. It's brilliant. Lovely. Um, grand. That's the. I think.
think that's the Leams are covered. We've pretty much summed it up. Like, take a year out. Yeah. Solving the world's problems one point every, at a time. What will end up happening now is uh, if this goes viral, everyone will uh, opt, opt out of getting the predicted grades and they'll all end up sitting in the Leams cert anyway to go to university a year later. So. We, honestly, we should, um, we, we'll, we'll employ, we'll give work experience to anybody who is off for um, the year. We'll get people on, we'll get students on the podcast doing our social. <laughs> we, will, we will write fucking massive reference letters for anybody who wants to, to join us on the pod. Uh, yeah, we'll pay in cans and we'll pretend that the reference letter comes from something important that we did not a drinking podcast. Yeah. <laughs> um, absolutely. Twitter or Google, anything like we'll fucking we'll say whoever you want to be, KPMG, anyone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah, we just we know someone that works somewhere and we we'll use their name. Uh, yeah, yeah. We'll be grand. We we'll give them a heads up. Uh, we we finished the last couple of podcasts with something I want to re- reiterate again on. Um, so. Actually, Waterford Food Bank put out a statement today saying that now five Aldis around Waterford are taking donations at the till as well, which is brilliant. Oh, that's good. Um, so again, like you've seen, you've seen all the doom and gloom stuff. Like Owen hasn't because he's been off Twitter, but uh, the government's need, going to have a thirty billion deficit this year. Uh, we've got possibly like five hundred thousand unemployed um, at the end of this year. The the economic outlook doesn't look good. Um, now, whatever the solutions are, the solutions are like we have our own opinions, and then we won't get into that because the podcast has gone on long enough. We're gonna we're gonna wrap it up now and, and all that. But I think what's what's blatantly obvious is um, a lot more people are going to need food banks this summer than need them than than needed them before COVID nineteen, and the food banks need your donations. So find out who your local food bank is. If you don't have a local food bank, get on to your local councillors or whatever to see what can be done about it. And if you do have a local food bank, see how you can contribute to them. Um, so in Waterford, yeah, I think I think that um, that thing from Aldi is quite good. So um, I know um, in uh, it's Tesco, uh, Tesco Nace here. I think isn't it? Is it Tesco Nace um, uh, have um, like a trolley that they have set up behind um, the behind their tills. So once once you're kind of after paying for your all your food at the till and you leave your tills and you're you're going out afterwards um they have like an empty trolley there well it's not usually empty it's actually normally full of um these non-perishables but it has your big sign then for um the local food bank and you know even like if you've you're going around the shop and you get a few extra tins of whatever beans or tomatoes or whatever like just just throw throw a few in like it doesn't have to be a, a big huge contribution or anything like that like but like like it's just like the more people that end up do doing it like you have you end up with a big trolley for people then like so it's a great like i think that's a, a great idea by ali like if they ha- just have a yeah. and um in fairness like uh super value in the hypermarket in waterford are also doing it um and arcane food stores are doing it and i'm sure there's other places doing it too that i just I don't, i'm not aware of um so i think like those people there, there are people that are going to need Ten of peas, a couple of beans, a few packs of biscuits, a bit of cereal and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. A lot more than than say, you know, someone who has the means might have uh, might might need a couple of euro, and that's all it costs. You can get a packet, you can get a tin of beans and peas and stuff in, in Aldi for like twenty nine cents, thirty cents. So so like you know, I think um, I I would strongly encourage anyone if they are 
in a, in a participating store anywhere around the country or anywhere around the world where they can give something to a food bank. I think um, they are badly needed. It's a shame that they're needed in 2020. They were needed before the pandemic and they'll be needed after it. So it's well worth donating to. But uh, we're going to wrap it up there for this week's Snowcast. Thanks a million for tuning in. Oh, Thanks, words for the lads. Uh, yeah. Uh, shop local, lads. Shop local. Spend local. Spend local, local yeah. Buy, buy your pints local. That's what I'm saying. Buy your pints local. Buy local pints in local pubs. Yeah. In our local offices until then. Until we come on tour and we will buy your <laughs> local pints in your local pub. It's launch it. Yeah. See you, lads. Good luck. You want to stop cloud recording? sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusion Supply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.